Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. My heart has been heavy. I'll, I'll just start out with that. Um, trying to think of words to say about everything that is happening in our world right now. And I'll be honest with you, right now, I don't have words. I, 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 have, I have no um, rhyme or reason. I have no way to talk about what is going on in our country, what is going on in our world. I, I just know that it is a mess right now. And before I started this series three weeks ago, actually four weeks ago now, I, I wanted it to be focused on more just on task. I wanted the series to be focused more on, on who we are as followers of Jesus Christ and what that means and how we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. So with everything that has been said and done this past week, the only thing that comes to me are the words of Jesus. It's probably a good thing to come to a pastor's mind in the midst of stuff like this. It comes when Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. And, and the waves are rocking the boat. The disciples are, are scared out of their minds. And, and they run to Jesus and they wake Jesus up. And, and Jesus says basically these words. Peace. Be still. Peace. Be still. We are going to hear a lot. Especially if you are one of those people that like to, 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 to check out the news do your social media, whatever, here or there and everything. And there is going to be a lot of waves. There's going to be a lot of storm. There is going to be, you know, I'm only 50 years old, and I know the stuff that I'm seeing now is stuff that I have not seen in my life. And some of you who may be older than I am, you may be able to say that exact same thing. And I know saying the words of Jesus, peace be still, doesn't fix anything. But I think it helps us to recalculate where we think about things. It helps us to get... Our, our, our minds, our ideas off of ourselves and onto him. 
And once we see what he is calling us to do, then I think we as a church can faithfully respond to what needs to happen around us. See, when I got here in 2016, um, the world was a different place in 2016 than it is here in 2022. We know that's a fact. But, but one of the things that I do know whenever I got here in, in 2016 is that we started this process of, of trying to really identify who we are as a church. And, and that had to do two different things. Number one, we had to figure out what, what exactly our mission is. Or, or, or to reclaim what our mission is, and then we also to identify what it is that, that our vision is, and, and how we live out that mission and vision together. We, we, we talked about the mission at my very first sermon in this series, but I wanted to put it up on the screen to have you all say this with me again, just to help remind us. The mission of Roy City First United Methodist Church is to make this The key part there, my friends, is not the disciples. It's not transforming the world, but it's Jesus Christ. That is the key in all we do as a church of Jesus Christ, is that our focus is on him, and through Jesus Christ, we make disciples. And when we make disciples, the world's transformed. The world changes. The world doesn't change because we want it to change, or the world doesn't change because of our whims or our ways. The world changes when we introduce people to the love and grace of Jesus Christ and invite them into the process of making disciples. So how do we do that? Well, that, that's where the whole vision came in. And Lori, I absolutely love all the verses. The verses are just perfect. For, for our vision. I want you to join me as we share our vision together. Be gods. You belong here. Worshiping together, serving with heart, and growing in faith. The vision's important because it gives you an idea to see exactly how you're going to do something, but the vision is not the most important thing. That this series was originally going to be me just rehashing the vision. You know, say, what does it mean to worship together? What does it mean to grow in faith? What does it mean to serve with heart? But, but then I started to think, you know what? We have to know who we are. And my friends, I think that is what's going on in the world right now. We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are, and we don't know whose we are. That's why we talked about we must fully understand who God is and, and what God does in the world around us. That, that is the key into being a disciple, knowing who God is and then knowing who we are, knowing that, that we are not insignificant people. We're, we're not just little lumps of clay that, that are just here for a few years on earth and then we just disappear somewhere. No, we are created spiritual beings made in the image of God. And that is so important. 
of who we are. Then when we do what Jesus says, we are then able to move into this vision of worshiping together, growing in faith and serving with heart. But see, this is nothing new. This is something that the church has done for a long, long time. And the passage that I have chosen for our sermon today helps us to see that. Our scripture is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. I invite you to follow along. We'll have the words on the screen for you to follow as well. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all God's people. The faith and love that springs from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I wanted to take this message and go a a different route. And it all has to do with a name that I mentioned in the text today. Name of a guy by the name of Epares. We don't know that name, do we? That, that may be one of those things that when you've read this text before that you quickly just go over it because, number one, it's really hard to pronounce, and honestly, I think I totally butchered the, the, uh, the pronunciation of that name. We, we don't know how to pronounce it, and you know, it only appears just once right there, so what's important are the things around that name and not really that name. But, but here's the thing. That name does mean something. That name is extremely important. This is not the only time that Ephraim shows up in Scripture. Ephraim shows up three different times. So there are, are three sentences in, in the Bible that his name is mentioned. One of those times that his name is mentioned is in the book of Philemon. 
Paul mentions him because Ephorus is a prisoner of Jesus Christ, which means that Ephorus is there in prison with Paul. So, so we know that there, there is a relationship between Paul and Ephorus, that, that, that there is a bond that is there between the two. The other two times that Ephorus's name is mentioned is in the book of Colossians. It's mentioned here at the very beginning of Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. And then again, his name is mentioned in chapter 4. So who is this Ephorus? I'm going to be bold to say that Ephorus is you. Every single person sitting here in this sanctuary, for those people who are watching online, you are Ephorus. Ephorus was called for a specific task. And, and we know that that task that Ephorus was called, he, he basically started the church in Colossae. And, and was somebody that Paul really leaned on and, and, and worked with in order for the church in Colossae to grow. Ephorus was a person who fully invested into the life of his church. He invested into the life of his church, not so that Colossae could be great and wonderful and mighty and all that thing, but he invested inside of Colossae because he knew that he was given a task. And that task was to share in the love and grace of Jesus Christ and to bring people into fellowship, to know God, to love God, and to serve God. He knew that that's what he was called to be. And he also knew that he was called to do the task that Jesus had called him to do. So what are those tasks? Well, if we move, pick it up, uh, I believe in verse uh, 9, we have these words reminding you what he says. Actually, verse 10b and 12. The task that Ephorus did with the Colossian church was to bear fruit in every good work, to grow in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Let me rephrase that. What Ephorus and the early Colossians church was called to do was to worship together, was to grow in faith, and was to serve with heart. If you listen to that passage, you hear all three of those tasks come up. You hear all of those things come up. The first thing that was mentioned is that you must bear fruit. If there is anything that I've seen over the past two years is that we live in a hurting world. And it is time for the church to bear fruit. It is time for the church to, to actively stand up and say, you know what, we know what the world says and what is going on in the world around us, but now it is time for the church 
to be active and involved with what is happening around us. There are a lot of times, and, and I know that I've been guilty of this as your pastor, that when we talk about serving with heart, it ends up being, you know, I noticed this morning that we didn't have somebody at every single door greeting. Or, you know what, we need more volunteers for the, uh, for the sound booth. Or maybe we need a couple more Sunday school teachers to take over classes. Those are important parts of serving. But the church in Colossae did not make the impact that it had by just worrying about greeters. The church in Colossae did not make an impact in its community and to allow that letter to be listed here in the Bible that we read by, by making sure it had somebody that was there to, to scrape the, the walks whenever it got too snowy outside. Or, or, or to change light bulbs. All of those things are extremely important. But when we talk about bearing fruit, that is a whole lot more than just little tasks around the church. Bearing fruit is making a difference. Bearing fruit means that people can see what is happening in the life of the church, and the church is making a difference in the world around us. one of the things that I love about being pastor of this church over the past six years is that we have made an impact. Not because of me. Not because of you. But because of the love and grace of Jesus Christ that lives inside of you that you want to share with others around us. But see, we don't just bear fruit we grow in the knowledge of God. We, we grow in our faith, and we make that an important part. Now, now hear me out on this too. Growing, on, growing in faith doesn't mean that we just have more knowledge about what the Bible says or, or that we start arguing about how different verses may be uh, prescribed or, or, or changed or, or actually uh, looked at. But, but growing in the knowledge of God means that we are forming the image of Christ inside of us. Pastor Scott McKnight, he uses this phrase called Christoformity having the form of Christ in us so that when people see us out there bearing fruit, they see the image of Christ in us. If, if we were to move a little bit farther into the book of Colossae, of Colossians in chapters 3, we have this verse, we have been raised with Christ and we are to set our minds on things above. That's Christoformity. It's, it's not being worried or, 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 or consumed by the things that are happening here around us. We, we take part in that and we're active in that making changes, but it's making sure that all that we have has the mind of Christ in us and those things above. We have to be careful what we conform our lives to. Do we conform to the world around us? Or do we conform to the principles and the disposition of Jesus Christ? Is that what our focus is? 
Is that what we are trying to be formed like? It isn't about having the right information. It isn't making sure that we can list the scriptures in the right way, but it's all about listening to Jesus Christ. And it's all about doing what Jesus calls us to do. Finally, we get to that last one. To give joyful thanks to the Father. That's worshiping together. I tell you, one of my favorite moments on a Sunday morning happens twice. Usually about 10, 15 minutes before the service starts, I'm looking at the timer on the little screen, and it's empty in here. Maybe, you know, the praise team, maybe a couple people here or there. And then the praise team will go back to, to the prayer room and we'll lift up in prayer. All of a sudden, I start hearing a buzz. I don't care you know, if it's 50 people, if it's 100 people in here, it's always here. I start hearing this buzz. I start hearing people talking. I start hearing people laughing. I start hearing people sharing with each other. I start hearing people fellowshipping before worship. And it just, just makes my heart soar to hear that because that is one of the things that the church does and the church should do well. It's to gather. Not so that we can make sure that we have the numbers right when we, uh, we fill out our reports at the end of the year, but no, the body of Christ gathers together for each other. It's not just so that we can say we went to church on Sunday morning and we got our our Jesus fix for the week. It's so that we can look at each other and say, how are you doing? What's going on with you right now? I know life can be hard. I know that life can be rough. But the, but the times that we gather as the church, it helps us to see that we have the opportunity to know that we are not alone. Over the past two years with the pandemic, it, it has been proven that more and more people feel isolated and alone and, and separated from other people. When we gather as the body of Christ, we know that we are in this together. So how do, how, how do we mold all of these things together so that we can move forward? I saw recently a quote from uh, J.D. Walt who, who made this comment, and it, and it made me laugh, but it really has made me think this past week. He said that the only people who aren't failing are the ones who are still in the bleachers. The only people in the world that are, aren't failing are in the bleachers. And I think that really has a relevancy to the church right now. That, that we can sit here all day long and, and, and get our Jesus fix on, but, but if we aren't out in the world failing, then are we really living? If we aren't out in the world listening to others, bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God, are we really being the church 
that God has called us to be. I like to think of it this way, and maybe many of you have heard me talk about this. I, I believe in spaghetti ministry. And I, I'm not talking about spaghetti dinners or anything like that. When I talk about spaghetti ministry, is that saying that, you know, you're going you're gonna to take spaghetti and you, you throw it up to the wall and see what sticks? And if it falls down, what do you do? You grab more spaghetti and you throw it up against the wall and you see if it sticks? That's what ministry should be like, folks. Ministry should be like spaghetti ministry. Seeing what we can throw up against the wall to see if it'll stick. To see if it will, if it will hold. And, and I, I can tell you, I can think of many, many more ministries that we have tried that have failed. And we've tried that has been successful. But the ministries that we have tried that has been successful has been extremely powerful. The work we do with Davis Elementary and with Ruth Cherry Elementary School, that was all spaghetti ministry. We didn't know what we were doing. I just called uh, 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 Rachel Camp, and uh, she said, sure, why don't you come and, and, uh, and mentor? I think Terry Chester reached out to Cherry Elementary School. Hey, can we bring your teachers some food? Yeah. We get prayer requests from those teachers, and we pray for them, and we lift them up, and we are there in partnership with them. I know we have another ministry that is basically fresh spaghetti that we threw up against the wall, but I think it's going to stick. It's for our widows in our church to allow an opportunity to, for them to gather and know that they are not alone. But my friends, we have so much more spaghetti that we can throw at the wall to see if it will bear fruit, to see if it will help us to grow in the knowledge of God so that we can then gather together as God's holy people to give joyful thanks to the Father who gives us life and life abundantly. The sermon has kind of taken on a different tone than I expected it to take whenever I started on this last Monday. But I think it's an important tone. And hopefully you're not hearing doom and gloom or despair and misery, that you are hearing hope. I hope that you hear hope because that is what you all mean to me. You bring hope to a hurting and broken world. Not so that we can protect our rights or, or make sure that rights are protected here or there, but so that we can lift up the name of Jesus Christ. How he is our Lord and Savior. And that we as a church, though we may not agree fully on everything, will bear fruit so that others may see God and come to his marvelous light. Let us pray. Oh God, as we spend this time in prayer, I lift up this specific prayer. But oh God, you have made of one blood 
all the peoples of this earth. And you sent your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom to the glory of your holy name. Amen. <laughs>